Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Kyler to my mat. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, feeling good. I wish I knew who I was. That's Kyler. It's a short joke. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> our, our, and our very own Jimmy G. That's right. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, I'm back to making fun of you. How does it feel? Well, it feels good to be overrated or a Hall of Famer. It's 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 rivalry week if you couldn't tell. So so we uh I would go with the rival quarter, rival rival quarterbacks there. And um yeah, this let's just start with this. This was the slowest Seahawks news week of all time. I could not handle. I'm like looking at all the 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 top posts from Reddit from the last week. I'm looking at like Seahawks Twitter and I'm like, "Man, this is a wasteland. Seahawks signed. Nobody Titan. was in the best shape of their life. Oh no, nope. there was a best shape. In, there was a best shape in your life, sir. Oh, Darrell was Taylor. it? Darrell yeah. Taylor. Uh, I was going to bring boy. it up, but he did it first. <laughs> the Seahawks signed tight end Cam Sutton, uh, six foot six tight end out of Fresno State. And if you want to watch his college tape, go for it. It won't take very long. He played like like eighty college snaps. This guy has like no tape. Uh, his career stats are like nothing. Uh, I believe you're supposed to say he's raw, but has some promising athleticism. That is correct. That is exactly who he is. Uh, That's the all-time Seahawk tight end right there. Julio Jones was called live on the air uh, by by, uh, Undisputed. Didn't know he was on the air and said that he doesn't want to play in Atlanta anymore. Very awkward situation. But since we know John Schneider is going to make the call, we can actually talk about this with some level of confidence. Like It's not like our our coach is going to make that phone call. He is our – I mean our GM. He ain't going to just sit there and be like, well, we have three good wide receivers, which is true. We have three good wide receivers right now. He, he will make better that than three good wide receivers. Four, four good wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. so he's going to make the phone call. So let's start with this question: What's the most you would give up for Julio Jones? Mm. Well, Atlanta wants a first round pick, and no one's biting at that. I don't. What? How old is Julio? I know you have this information. Thirty. Thirty-two. I know this because he's on my. Yeah, he's on my dynasty team. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Yeah, you got. Go ahead and screw at me all you want. Third round pick. Third round pick. I think that's fair. Kevin, would you give up more than a third for Julio? I would give up our next first round pick. Whoa. Uh, so, so Kevin, Kevin's in the same boat as me where it's like, Whoa. I don't want to give up a pick in next year's draft because next year's draft, we have a lot of middle round picks and that draft is loaded. And we could um, trade back and get even more. Yeah. And so, so like, I kind of want to just stay, keep where we're at on those, on that draft because the middle rounds in that draft are going to be quite, excellent well but two years from now I, I was thinking two years from now second actually not first though so i was a little behind you on that one um, i feel like somebody's I'm, gonna offer a next year second so we could kind of put them in a dilemma yeah the here's the thing okay is that julio jones would be an ultimate luxury item but you can make enough room under the cap to get him just by restructuring russ you don't have to do anything else and if he totally sucks it's a total uh Percy Harvin situation. Well, you don't have to give him a new contract or anything, and you can cut him for two million in dead cap after next season. So after we so, win the Super Bowl and he returns a kick for a touchdown. Yes, right, exactly. So, so it's not a. I don't. I think it's pretty uh, like high reward, low risk, and also, I mean, our goal for this offseason is to make Russ happy. And yes, Gabe Jackson and Dwayne Eskridge, and those are all great steps in the right direction, right? Uh, getting a new offensive coordinator that seems like he's going to install a modern offense that plays to Russ's strengths with all the boot action and flood concepts and stuff. That's, that, that, that's all great. That's all great. We made Russ happy. But bringing in a talent like Julio Jones, that would be uh, – well, that would be something else. That would be another, another level of making Russ happy that I think we have not reached yet. Um, and our offense with – 
with TK and Julio on the outside and then Tyler running those jet action slot stuff. That's gross. Is, uh, well, you could also, you could make the, you know, make the rookie learn a little bit, get a little bigger. You wouldn't have to put so much on him. Eskridge could just learn from the best. Oh, it's appetizing. One th- and one thing I keep seeing is that people think like, oh, but we're going to have to extend DK. This does not stop us from doing that. Um, this, this has no effect on that because like I said, we can cut him after the season for basically no loss. He, all his bonuses would go to Atlanta except for a couple, 2 million in roster bonuses. Like it's just not a big deal. So yeah, uh, not worried about it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically everything um, that uh, DK Metcalf was on some podcasts, uh, victory, the podcast, you can check that out. Um, hey, what about uh, the big news that Pete said everything is fine with Russ and that Russ said something like, yeah, I'm happier. Yeah. Well, there's a, there was a bleacher report article uh, with Russell Wilson rumors. QB was very happy with the Seahawks moves in free agency. That was, I think it was Jeremy Fowler was the original report on that. And, um, he was happy to get Gabe Jackson. He's happy to get Gerald Everett. Um, Pete Carroll was listening to Russell Wilson and is now keeping him much more in the loop on personnel decisions. That doesn't mean that he's letting Russ make the decisions, but I do think Russ felt like at the end of the day, like he wasn't being even looped in. And then a and a player of his caliber playing his position usually is pretty strongly in the loop. And we're seeing this play out elsewhere, right? This is what's happening in Green Bay right now, is that they they took their quarterback out of the loop and you kind of see the repercussions of that. And so Russ is like, Hey man, loop me in. The thing is he handled it like a base. They handled it like a baseball agent handles it, which makes sense. Cause Russ has a baseball agent, which is to do it in the media. Let's handle this in the media. When I think that our front office would prefer to handle it behind closed doors. So that was, I think the main point of contention. I think another difference is that, uh, you know, Russell Wilson at the end of the day, really cares what people think about him and uh aaron Rodgers. at the end of the day maybe the most petty person ever ever lived yes i think too is who's the who's the player that russell <laughs> Wilson always compares him to as as like who does he want to be he wants his legacy to be the most like Derek jeter that's always the guy he talks yep. about right he talks about jeter and for me jeter if you want to be jeter you got to play for your whole team the, your same team your whole career you cannot finish your career somewhere else that's that's the big part of the jeter legacy right is that jeter played for the Yankees his whole career. He was Mr. Yankee. Russell Wilson needs to retire as Mr. Seahawk if he wants to be the Derek Jeter of the NFL. And he the floor swept and clear for him to do it, right? He needs to win one or two more championships, I think, and he's on that level. Because if you really think about it, other than Brady, who has won multiple championships? It's Roethlisberger and that's it, right? Like there's no other QB in this era in the what Russell Wilson's career that has won multiple championships. If he can win two or three, yeah, unless like, we consider he, Peyton because of the crossover, but that's about it. Yeah, he's immediately a legend, right? He's immediately a legend if he can win even two. Uh, yeah, Eli Manning, yeah, right. Because <laughs> Eli Manning did a lot to win those championships. So well, I said uh, you can't <laughs> take it away from him, Nathan. <laughs> uh, but you gotta take it. You gotta go, Eli too. He won two. Uh, he's Hall of Fame quarterback, Eli Manning. Can you tell the story? Can you tell the story of the NFL without talking about Eli Manning? carefully i respond to that with an eli manning <laughs> face i mean to be honest with you though like that's I, people ask that question about hall of fame candidacies they say can you tell the story of the nfl without blank and i'm not sure you can tell it without mentioning eli manning and those giants teams i mean they stopped the team from going undefeated so it'd be really hard to like work around that it's and, <laughs> it's one of those things where meme. 
in 20 years, someone will be watching an, and a, like a, a kid will be watching an NFL films thing. And they'll be like, how come no one talks about this guy named Eli Manning? He may have been the secret best quarterback of all time. Here's oh, my God. reasoning why. Yeah. That's look forward to that. <laughs> uh, w- right. Warn, warn, warn your, warn your children now. Hashtag watch the tape nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, other than that, like you know, team, team, people are starting to put out their initial think pieces. Team, some, some, uh, some writers are disrespecting the Seahawks. Some are not. You know, I would say that the one that did the the least was Greg Rosenthal did a like a roster breakdown, and he had he I think actually understands like what happens to the Seahawks because the first point he put was this: Seahawks Seattle's O line struggles have been overstated. They were middle of the pack last season, led by premier left tackle and Dwayne Brown. Trade acquisition Gabe Jackson is a league average starter. The Raiders believed was in decline, but another league average starter is great news for Russell Wilson. And I think like mm-hmm. he understand what actually happened at the end of the last season. Wilson kind of took a downturn and was holding the ball too long, looking downfield. It, it, it was like a our offense started to break because those deep shots that we were taking early in the season just weren't there. And well, and teams of, figured out that was all we were doing was keying up on that deep ball. And if they took it away, we didn't really have another piece to our offense that was a legitimate scoring threat. Yeah, he 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 correctly keys on the fact that like you know our our defensive end rotation has a lot of guys, but we don't know who the guys are going to be yet. Like Carlos Dunlap is is locked in. Puna Ford is locked in. After that, it's like a lot of guys, and we need to see who's going to step up. I believe it'll be like Kerry Hyder will be the big other defensive end and Al Woods will probably be the big other defensive tackle. But there's work to be done uh, along the defensive line in terms of who emerges as the most effective players. The, oh, the lucky Taylor thing is disrespect. there's a lot of potential, right? Like there's all these guys, Alton Robinson, LJ Collier, Benson Moyola, Darrell Taylor. Like these are all guys that can really step up into that role. And now we got – and then, you know, Brooks and Wagner. I think that's going to be a great a linebacker uh, – linebacker uh, duo and also to have it so that we are playing two linebackers and not shoehorning three onto the field which we didn't do as much last season but now there's going to be even less calling to do it kj wright is way too good to still not be signed by the way it's Mm -hmm. so weird the reduced cap is really screwing him over like more more than most other guys because off ball linebacker is kind of a luxury position so if you are figuring out ways to cut to get under this new lower cap like that's the first place you're going to look is be like okay well we can we can cut on a little bit skim a little bit on an off ball linebacker because we really only need two right most teams don't play with three linebackers on the field very much anymore unless you're dallas and you draft five (laughs) (laughs) yes well if you draft them all kevin then no one else will have any yeah, I think that's, ex- that's exactly. That's, they're playing a, a fantasy I'm starting football to think like, quarterback I'm, strategy. I'm starting to think like cowboy football. <laughs> that's, that's my new thing. Right. How many more wide receivers can we get? Cowboy football. They're the Astro of uh, uh, of fantasy quarterbacks to uh, real NFL linebackers. It's the Shout old Lions. to the Aussie contingency. The Lions are like, hey, if we just take a wide receiver in the first round every year, we're going to win a Super Bowl. If we just take a first round, a top 10 wide receiver every year for five years, one of them would be good. Uh, that really worked. <laughs> it did, one, of them, really. one of them was good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it really helped the franchise 
get into the playoffs a few times. Yeah, it got the one to retire early. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> so this week is rivalry week, though. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over the drafts and kind of a, a little the little offseason moves that the, uh, the, the the rivals of the Seattle Seahawks made, the teams they're going to be playing twice this year, the NFC West squads. And we're going to kind of right, give our own ratings. How do we feel about this draft, you know, in a vacuum and for the less for the team because – to be honest, like it, we're just we would just make fun of Arizona for having a terrible coach if that was what we do. But more just like how we feel about the players in additions to the squad, because like Arizona's not going to be able to overcome the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is their coach. They need to fire that guy yesterday, right? But but you know it's still uh, it's still they need a, to fire uh, head coach Cliff Kingsbury or offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury. Which one needs to be fired ooh, first? Why not both? <laughs> is this plan to just run like empty fives all season? Anyway, all right, whatever. Let's just get to it. Uh, let's start with Arizona. Arizona is the first team because we're going alphabetically by city name. So Arizona, uh, the first round they drafted at pick sixteen, Zayvon Collins, and I think what they thought was, okay, Hassan Reddick went to a different team. Can we draft ten years younger, Hassan <laughs> Hassan Reddick? Yes. Oh, okay. Here's t- we drafted the exact. Co- it's like they. It's like a photocopy of Hassan Reddick from, and it's except for a really high quality one because I think Zayvon Collins is good, and I, so I think Hassan Reddick was pretty good too. So, yeah, it only yeah, that, took them his entire rookie contract to figure out what to do with him and to get him coached up for it. Yes. So I'm sure this is going to work out really well for Zayvon Collins. Well, I mean, if they just use him like they used Hassan Reddick, like have him play a little bit of uh, outside linebacker, have him. Uh, to blitz and then have him play inside linebacker and run fit. Like they've been Sam and Collins will be really good at that. He's super tall. He sees into the backfield. Well, he's, he does a good job of, uh, of fitting the run. I, I actually like Sam Collins quite a bit. I think this is a pretty good pick. Okay. what do you think of Sam Collins? Um, I think that he's an interesting player and I think that he's very talented. Uh, either they're doing something really smart or really dumb on defense because they're kind of steering into, you know, all of our defensive linemen are just D linemen. And we have all these like edge linebacker hybrids and safety linebacker hybrids and safety corner hybrids. And it's all this positionless defensive football. And they have Vance Joseph as a pretty good defensive coordinator. But yeah. I'm not sure if they're actually putting it together in a particularly good defense. And I really worry if Vance Joseph ends up moving along. Yeah, the Simmons, the Simmons Collins like inside linebacker pairing, I think is really good. I think well, that's and then like Marcus a, Golden and Chandler Jones is their other line. Those are basically two edges. Yeah, so they 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 have um, they have, I think they're set up pretty good. And like you like you said, like they want to play like these guys like Buda Baker and Deontay uh, Thompson like close to the line, and they do a lot of interesting stuff. I I do think that they're do, building something nice, and it fits well with the other defensive moves they made this offseason, getting JJ Watt. And uh, Malcolm Butler to kind of tr- they they basically threw a, a bunch of like low low risk high reward shots at cornerbacks and like are hoping one of them will work out which I think is a a fine strategy we'll talk about a couple more of those in a second yeah, Butler's good because he's a really stable hand I feel like he kind of lets them have all those high risk people because yeah. you know at least Butler will come in and be a like solid NFL starter on one side. So um, for their second pick, they went with a five foot seven Rondale Moore. And I, Eric, did you end up watching any Rondale Moore? Because that was one of the guys I think we talked about a lot with the Seahawks agenda uh, that this, we thought the Seahawks might want. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. I did. Um, it's funny. I, mean, I kind of talk about this every year, but we go over so many different ideas or uh, so many different players and what we think the Seahawks are going to draft. Like I, I get all my draft primer from this podcast from just listening to you guys talk about it so i'm watching tape and then i i write down some and i usually go after draft like oh who went and rondale moore was um 
I, I didn't think it was a guy that we were actually going to, going to draft, but, um, I, I, I watched his tape. I'm kind of interested to see how he's going to work with Christian Kirk, uh, being on the same team. Uh, Go ahead. It's it's weird. Yeah, they already have all these short wide receivers. Yes. Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Rondale Moore. Like they obviously want like all these guys to kind of work from the slot. Although Isabella, I think they that Rondale Moore pick is a is a admission that they misread what 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 Andy Isabella is, which they thought Andy Isabella could develop into a slot guy, and he's just not that. He and if he you wasn't that his, in college, <laughs> right? If you watch his tape, he was just a pure outside receiver that happened to be small, and he and like trying to convert him into a slot guy it was was a mistake. So. Yeah, and I, I, don't I think what... Rondale Moore is—he's fast and quick enough, but he's—it's not like he has this burning speed that I think separates him from anyone else. That he will, you know, usurp anyone's position. More expl- more explosive than fast, and uh, but that but that will work in this offense, I think, because he he will find pockets in the defense, catch the ball, and then get because he's so explosive, get get like five extra yards or whatever, and that's what you want to do in like an air raid style spread them out offense. Um. I actually think this is a once again. I hate to say it because this is our rival, but this is a good pick by them. They they really the thing about Rondell Moore is he was hurt a lot, so he fell. He fell to two seventeen, and I really do think that if he would have kept falling to us, there's a good chance we would have taken him over Eskridge. Hmm. Uh, this is the kind of guy. This is the kind of profile that we were looking for, right? This yeah. uh, yard after catch, explosive athlete who can uh, carry, who is good carrying the ball too. Which Rondell Moore is good. He's good when he he doesn't need um. Yeah, but Rondell Moore, the problems are he he has a like his catch radius is not exciting and he he is he drops passes that he should catch concentration drops kind of thing. So I'm um I'm fine with it. It's a good pick. It's a good pick for what they are. Their first two picks, I thought they did well. It was after that I thought that um, things went got a little weird. But uh, Kevin, what do you think of Rondell Moore pick? Were you were you saddened by it as a hater of the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I think Rondale Moore is kind of funny because um, he's either going to make Cliff Kingsbury's offense work or prove that Cliff Kingsbury's offense isn't going to work. Because if they basically just go, here, here's Larry Fitzgerald's slot spot and all of his touches, now you actually run after you catch it. Then that should theoretically work. But I don't think it will. So I don't like this pick for two reasons. Number one, they got a good and interesting player. But number two, that player probably will get Cliff Kingsbury fired, which means they might actually get a good coach, <laughs> which really sucks if I want them to continue to not make the playoffs. Now, the, the, that was not their best addition on offense this offseason. That was definitely Rodney Hudson, bringing in Rodney Hudson to play center. And I've talked about this before, but I do think improving your center is the the fastest shortcut to trying to like get a bad offensive line to be merely average. And they they really are upgrading at center quite a bit by going to Rodney Hudson. So that Also, that reducing sucks. interior pressures on a short quarterback is very good. Yeah. So I think... Um, all in all, with, between AJ Green, Rodney Hudson, and JJ Watt, Malcolm Butler, I think they had a pretty decent offseason. And, and the Arizona is a team to a rival to watch. Uh, their later round picks, though. Uh, in the fourth round, they went with Marco Wilson, a guy that I thought, um, I looked at the combine times and I thought, arms are too short, but man, this is a great athletic profile. Went to the tape and thought, man, this is uh, not it. Dude just makes a ton of mistakes for a guy who has a ton of college snaps. Like, a guy who's basically played a lot for four years should not be this raw in his technique. Not to mention, like, some just really boneheaded stuff. Like throwing the shoe? Yeah. 
<laughs> Do you want to tell that? Story I had no again? idea about this. You want to tell about Marco Wilson in the sh- in the show? Oh, uh, Marco Wilson went ahead and lost a game against a SEC division rival because after making the tackle, um, one of the receivers' shoes came off, and so he picked it up and in celebration launched it like thirty yards downfield. Turns out that's uh, that's unsportsmanlike. So yeah, basically he makes a game-saving tackle. It's like, oh, the game's over. Like the Florida is going to beat LSU. This is amazing. He picks up the shoe and throws it. Gets three flags. Like by the way, the yellow just flew. Yeah, yeah. Him. Literally every ref saw it and threw the flag because <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> everyone was watching where the tackle was just made to end the game. LSU gets oh a fresh set of downs gosh. and then kicks a fifty-seven-yard field goal. Oh, to, yeah, no idea. No idea. I had no idea about this. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of a knucklehead, and he honestly it shows up in his play too. Just just yep. like he he's he'll Gambles have good weird position. Places. He'll have good position and then he'll just like completely miss that the ball's coming and it'll be completed anyway. He's pretty like, fast though. Uh okay. looking at yes. what he does, which is why Combine he's... is Combine is good. The fourth round he's a fourth round pick for a reason. Yeah, yeah uh, elite Duke physical de- tools opposite of elite other tools. Duke defensive end, uh Victor Demakuji Kate whatever. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Uh, what do you think? Did you did you see him at all for Seahawks, Kevin? Uh, I glanced at him. He seemed like a fine rotational edge player, the kind of guy that you pick up, and he ends up being like in the back half of your uh, defensive line rotation. All right. For now the next one's a guy, contract, a guy who fell really far. Tay Gowan. What do you what do you uh, what do you think of him? I I actually thought um, he has potential as a press corner, but he he's like a he has the size of a press corner, but not like when you watch him play, he doesn't do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. He needs to like continue to bulk up and play stronger, but like sixth round pick 39 is pretty, pretty good value. I think to pair with your Marco Wilson pick a kind of different kind of cornerback. I think that was a really solid pick by them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good value because he's a guy who went, if I remember correctly, he's the guy who went community college route and then was a um, COVID sit out. So he only put together a handful of games of tape. And he was good in that time, but I think teams were just worried because he was still kind of raw. His plays came against, you know, not the highest level competition. And so there were a lot of questions about him, even people though are, he did put some good stuff out there. People are unsure too, strong safety or or a cornerback. If mm-hmm. he's on this Arizona team, he's a cornerback. Yes. By the way, he's not a strong safety for them. Uh, they, they did draft a safety though, James Wiggins. Kevin, is this a player you, you know anything about? I really I like James Wiggins. Okay. Um, I, I thought both of the uh, Cincinnati safeties were the kind of guys who, at the very least, are really, really solid backup corners and uh, plus special teamers. He's got good size, speed, and athleticism. Um, I think he works well in slot, box, or two high looks. So he's a good guy to come in and mirror Buda Baker and kind of just become his backup. All right, here's my Michael Manet take. Ready? This is the perfect player draft in the seventh round because he can probably back up multiple positions and not completely be a speed bump. Yep. I don't think he's I don't think he's great, but he is a career backup kind of middle of the line guy, and he can play center or guard mm-hmm. pretty pretty consistently. He's he's not great, but that's why he got picked in the seventh round. But he's not going to be a speed bump if he gets forced into action. So there you go. That's Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's grade their draft. Uh, Eric, start us off. What would you grade the Arizona Cardinals draft? Uh, I give that a B. Uh, I'm not the draft wizard you guys are, but they had some decent players. They have some. They added speed to their team. I'm giving it an even B. B and it. Uh, would you give their offseason as a whole a higher grade? Getting Rodney Hudson, JJ Watt, AJ Green, all those guys. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's like this game-changing season that's going to propel them to the next level. Maybe that's just being hopeful. 
but yeah, it's it's definitely an improvement on on uh, you know where they where they could have been. All right, uh, Kevin, what about you? Uh, C plus on the draft. I think Rondale Moore is the only person that I really think was a, a really good pick. I thought David Collins was a little bit of a reach where they got him. Um, and overall for the offseason, I put it probably at like a B minus or a B. I, I, Rodney Hudson was a good player to come in. Um, JJ Watt is still a really good pass rusher. Uh, I actually think AJ, AJ Green's kind of washed. So that's not really a lot to me. Yeah, I would give them a I'd give them a B on their draft. I thought it was I'm with you, Eric. I thought it was solid, but not spectacular. Nothing wowed me. They had a chance to really wow with that first pick, and I think they they took the the safe pick as opposed to the um the the like the the home, the potential home run. Does that make sense? Like Zayvon Collins, I don't think there's a a big chance that he's he's completely trash. I actually really like the prospect, but like at that spot, they could have taken so many guys who are much more exciting. You know, there there was still all kinds of dudes on the board that I thought could make, like Christian Derrishaw is a good example of a guy that just could make a huge difference for their team. And they just, or Najee Harris even. Like, I know it's not cool to take a running back, but <laughs> at 16, <laughs> but like that guy could make a big difference for their team as an upgrade over what they have now. And they just were like, nah, we're good. So, so I think it's an interesting uh, interesting strategy and we'll, we'll see if it works out for him. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. So, all right, let's go to the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams uh, didn't have first round pick just like us. They let off in the second round with Tutu Atwell. And here's what I have to say about this pick. Okay. You signed Deshaun Jackson. Why do you need Tutu Atwell? It is, it is a bewildering pick uh, from a, from a kind of a, I just don't get it. He's 155 pounds. Like, and I think that's a very generous uh, weight give for him. He might be closer to 150. This guy is tiny, tiny, tiny. And he is not really that good at going deep either. He's kind of just needs to catch the ball in short areas and move with it. I don't know. I just don't understand this pick at all. I They already have a tiny wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson. Like, why do you need another tiny wide receiver? It's weird. Uh, so... <laughs> It's funny, we did such a deep dive, or you guys did such a deep dive on the full draft. And for this podcast, it was great because I got to I got to zero in on three to four guys for three teams. A total of about 12 guys that I got to scout really well uh, <laughs> and take notes on. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, what, do we, what do we like most about Eskridge? It's that whole yak thing. And he's, he's very fast. He doesn't drop the ball. Uh, there's this belief that he's going to be a touchdown machine, which I don't really see that trends uh, transcending to the pros. But uh, this is more like I think a future, uh, a future Deshaun Jackson move. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to, they they have a profile of a player they want, and they're going to yeah. try to develop him a little bit. I mean, it makes when you watch him on tape. I mean, man, he is explosive after he catches the ball. But it's just you wonder in the NFL how that's going to translate, right? Kevin, do you think there? How do you think the Tutu Atwell will translate to the NFL level? Uh, I thought that he was a panic pick after Eskridge went. Honestly, um, Tutu Atwell. So he was listed at one sixty five in college, and people were like, "Wow, that's pretty small." And then they were like, "Well, he might be like in the one fifties," and people were like, "Okay, that's really concerning." And then I heard something about one forty eight coming in at one so point. He, so one thing, ha- what he weighed in at one fifty five at his pro day. And then people are saying like, yeah, but he was like weighted up for that event and he might actually be like one under 150. Yeah. Yeah. And so like 
Tutu Atwell is basically a really fast version of my high school social studies teacher. <laughs> and that guy didn't look like he could really work on a football field. Like, that's the other thing is people talk about how fast Tutu Atwell is. His speed numbers are pretty good until you realize that, like, you remember we were talking about, like, oh, yeah, DK Metcalf, that guy ran really well when you consider that he was literally twice as big as everybody else who ran on the track with him, right? Uh, Tutu Atwell was smaller than those guys. And he was, his explosiveness um, and his speed numbers were not up to DK's level. His change of direction is a different thing, but just, like, straight line speed. And straight line speed is a lot of what he relied on at the college level. This is going to be a really big transition. I think the Rams might have just drafted Tavon Austin 2.0. That's actually a comparison I really like is Tavon Austin for him, which is, you know, Tavon Austin always had potential, but no one could figure out how to use him. Like, if they, if you can figure out how to use this guy, the potential is there, right? But Yeah, you and in the second to... round, that's not as bad because he's just like a gadget uh, sweeps and return man and like uh, two catches guy. Two like weird screens a game, yeah. Then you can live with that in round two, but like I, uh, he, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of him. All right. Um, then third round, they went Ernest Jones, uh, inside linebacker out of South Carolina. And going into the draft, they really needed to pick an inside linebacker who can play immediately. And so at this point in the draft, Ernest Jones was basically the best choice for that. I mean, he's not like, He's just a tackle machine. Like he's kind of a throwback player. He's not. Um, he's not gonna, not gonna blow your minds. He's not the modern, modern equivalent. But he's gonna run fit well and be able to play from day one. And I think that's that was kind of more of a something we needed rather than something we wanted at a, at that point for the Rams. It's like, hey, if we don't leave this draft with an inside linebacker who can play immediately, that is a gaping hole in our defense, right? So that's why I think they picked him. What What do you think of Ernest Jones, Kevin? Um. Yeah, he was fine. Like, I don't know, There's man. There's nothing like, exciting about the, about him. Like, I watch his tape and I'm like, yep, this guy knows how to play football. Like, yeah, he, I mean, and that's, a, that's a real blitz. skill. His coverage is fine. Even his, like, run even his run defense is, like, solid. Like, I don't know. If I was draft, would you rather have him or Cody Barton? Cody Barton. Thank you. The it's, end. It, but it is similar. Like, Cody Barton, if he stepped in, would be like, he's fine. Would be like, a pretty they, similar level of player, right? Our backup they, they, linebacker. They just need a guy that can play, though, because their inside linebacker is not. And if they took, if you take a shot there on, like, one of the higher upside guys and it flops, you, you are could end up with a hole. Yeah, that's, that's trouble. a fact. So they just needed a guy that that is solid. And I do think Ernest Jones profiles out to be, like, a pretty solid, you know, like, Hundred tackle guy if he gets the snaps or whatever. But Eric, oh my goodness, him? if he gets lined up on a decent ticket tight end, he's going to get worked. Yeah. Did you watch an Ernest Jones, uh, Eric? Because yeah, um, I have a a decent take that I think you guys may like. Uh, is he just Brian Kerrigan, like okay. a guy who can tackle but really not be super special? And well, I don't Brian Kerrigan also has this element of pass rushing that I think this guy. Like, yeah, he didn't originally though. Like his okay. That's what I, I guess I, I equated him to this because I used to have Ryan Kerrigan in my IDP league, and he was really good at scoring because he would just tackle. And he wasn't a prolific tackler per se, but he was just the guy who racked up the tackles. Not like a yeah, and he a had Bobby defensive, line, defensive line eligibility, but can yeah, actually get tackles. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and I feel like Bradley, Bradley at, Chubb's the new guy for that. But <laughs> what you guys said here, it makes total sense. Like this is, uh, I I don't know, it's. It's a solid enough play, but it's not an impressive yeah. position. 
Um, yeah, he's slight too. He's only 230 pounds. Let's start. Let's let's make that clear too. So even the tackling could be a problem if he doesn't bulk up a little bit. All right, they, Eric, I'm going straight to you on this one. They oh, Bobby I knew you Brown would. In round I, four. I knew you round would. Four, pick 12. What do you what do you think of Bobby Brown? Well, this you is know, your prerogative to answer. It is my prerogative, and uh, <laughs> it's also whatever. I had to the get song, one more use of that joke in. <laughs> it's also whatever song is Ghostbusters too, because that's a straight jam. Uh, <laughs> This uh, would you guys call this guy a nose tackle in the NFL? Before I go too farther on this, I think yeah. he could become one. Yes. Okay. He, but he's probably this year he'll probably back up uh, Aaron Donald, at, so he'll never play. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think because of Break that reason, glass in case of emergencies. <laughs> he may actually he, be a really savvy pick though, because this is a guy that you can add weight to. You can you can you don't, don't have think to you rush wanna... him in. I don't think you want to add weight. He's already big, three twenty one. But I do he, think you want to add strength. That's what, what I mean. Here. Like, yeah, you want to and understanding of leverage. Take the washing machine element out and kind of svelte him down to a muscular guy. He could be like Aaron Donald Light in a year or, or probably in a year if they're smart about it. And I'm not checking the measurement. Aaron Donald thing, heavy. One thing they could do too is like, you know, on pass downs, him next to Aaron Donald would be pretty, I think, pretty intimidating interior pass rush in the future. So like that it's an interesting pick. I actually think that they did a good job there, good value. Uh they did trade up to get that pick too, right? So um all right, next one they went Robert Rochelle, a cornerback out of central Arkansas. Uh so I I only one thing is I went and watched his one on ones from the senior bowl. And uh yeah, no, this guy ain't it. That's it. End of, end of review. I don't know. I, I didn't want to watch any Central Arkansas tape, so I went straight to the Senior Bowl, uh, and I thought, like, oh, man, this guy got kind of roasted because of the level of competition. And so I'm... I did I'm not watch some a, Central Arkansas tape. Yeah, was he really was he really good at Central Arkansas? Uh, so let me give you my write-up. I'll read it verbatim. Size, <laughs> speed, and length are all plus. Technique is all over the place. Developmental player with upside in man end zone. He can press at the line, but then he gets grabby and sloppy in transitions. He can keep up and break with the receiver, but then he loses the ball. Dude is raw as raw. Yeah, he looked grabby and sloppy. That's my scouting report too, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he looked bad in the Senior Bowl one on ones, like just like he was like getting roasted. He basically. got worked by anybody you could run around. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Let's, uh, developmental corner. They don't need him to be good. They have Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I guess their second cornerback is not super good, but I think their plan is to really like bury him on the depth chart. And well, they have Williams, that. right? Uh, At the, Dar- as a quarterback too. Yeah, yeah, Darius Williams is legit. Yeah. Um, so, now the real question is uh, nickel corner. I don't think this guy's a nickel corner. I really think they're going to bury him on the depth chart and let him work his way up. Yeah, I think they this, need to bury him on the depth chart. I agree. He's they'll probably have to do Tyrell Burgess as a nickel corner. Yeah, uh, Jacob Harris, uh, wide receiver out of UCF. I did not watch Eric. I don't know anything about this guy, so you guys got to help me out. Uh, Jacob Harris. Asking the wrong guy. Kevin, I defer. <laughs> uh, Jacob Harris. Jacob Harris is a guy who... Um, I have the I have the size speed stuff. He's tall. Yeah, I was about to say, Jacob Harris is Jazz Ferguson. Oh, so okay. how would you feel about spending a draft pick on Jazz Ferguson? <laughs> a fourth round pick? That's terrible. All right. Uh, <laughs> defense. They went defensive end. Ernest, Brown the, Ernest Brown the fourth. Um, and... It, what I wrote down is that this guy is too too small to set the edge in the NFL, but not good enough to pass rush. So that's a great review of of a player that they picked in the fifth round. I think from a Seahawks perspective, um, it's like he's like an effort guy, and he's not. We're I don't know. Kid. 
Yeah, it's like cool. You drafted a effort. this guy is not gonna. This guy isn't it. I mean, he's a fifth round pick for a reason. Kevin, did you did you see anything that you uh thought we should uh, should go with here? No, no, yeah, I didn't. I, I actually thought this was like one of their worst picks of the whole draft. Uh, I, looked back, I looked back at who was available, and I was like, dang, this seems like a total waste of pick to me. Not to sound like a jerk, but like if you can have a reach at the very end of the fifth round, this was a reach. Yeah. It, I, I thought he look, he looked like a priority UDFA when I watched him. Uh, Jake Funk. Uh, here's my Jake Funk thing. You ready? Oh, uh, he barely played. have a reach in the seventh round. This is a reach. <laughs> this, okay, I will say this. Jake Funk, though, if he can stay healthy, which is a huge if considering what he went through in his college oh, career, busting both his knees. Uh, this guy is... If uh, he can stay healthy. <laughs> I think this guy could be like an A-plus like fullback special teamer kind of guy. You know, like... A, mixed use uh like a like a better he, nick Ballore. he could be a nick Ballore, yeah that's what's his seventh round pick i mean if you get a core special teamer in the seventh round that's if actually he can fine. be healthy is such a but big question though that's the question though this guy can't stay healthy he can't stay on the field so it's tough i get why he got drafted though i at first i made fun of it because i was like this guy got like played in like four games like why would they ever draft him he has more almost as many knee injuries as as college games but then the more I looked into it, the more I was like, okay, I get what they're trying to do here. They're like, this guy, if he works out, is going to be our special team's ace for the next 10 years or whatever, right? So, and he's got a ton of heart, guys. He's a total gym rat, a lunch yeah. pail kid, nothing but heart. All That's right, what I got went, when I when I read the scouting. And with another big wide receiver uh, in the seventh round with uh, Ben Skornick out of Notre Dame, uh, he's big. That's my. That's what I wrote down after I watched some. Did you, is there anything else I need to say about him? That's it. That's all I can say. Uh, so I know how you felt about drafting Jazz Ferguson. How do you feel about drafting slow Jazz Ferguson? <laughs> I'll say this: this guy can run routes. Don't 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 put him in the Jazz Ferguson <laughs> category. This guy can run routes. Okay, fine. This guy. Okay, so Ben Skoranek is the kind of guy who can abuse a backup corner in week four of the preseason um, yeah. because he'll actually put a break on somebody and kill them. So like Robert Rochelle. If you ask his opinion at the end of training camp, we'll think Ben Skoranek is really good. Yeah. That is what I think is going to happen. And then they went with the, the Division II oh. career-forced fumble leader, Chris Garrett, in the last <laughs> round. And, and I'm just going to say this. Man, this guy this guy uh, really pursues well in Division Two. I don't know what that means, but like at 725, this is a totally fine draft pick. This is where you throw your dart like this. This is where you're like, hey, man, this guy has – like we watch him play and he just forces fumbles and does crazy stuff. Like, sure. Why not? Uh, let's throw a dart, uh, at the end of the draft here, but very likely this will be nothing. So, all right. Now, uh, our average on the, uh, on the Arizona was a B B minus, right? Kevin gave the worst grade. Uh, all right, let's, let's grade the Rams draft. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give this a C just a decent C. All right. Kevin, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I think C minus because Rochelle or Brown, one of those guys could hit and be big, but like, oh man, they could just all miss too. And you end up with like, oh, we have a number four receiver who's undersized and a fringe starting middle linebacker and then like roster trash. So I will say this. I kind of at this point trust the Rams to do well with their middle round picks. Does that make sense? Because there's been so many years of them like doing well with these picks. The problem I have right here is that man, this draft is uh is 
not what I would have done. Uh, I'll go. I'll go C minus. I I wanted to go D plus. I wanted to be really mean, but I can't because the the pedigree is there to like trust the Rams to make some of these picks work. That's like, why they earned a C minus. Yes. Yeah. And and so like like if a couple of these guys turn out to be good players, it could even go up to like a C plus or a B minus. But man, it's just looking back at it, I'm like, man, this is a weird draft. Yeah, it uh, starts. Their off season, I do like upgrading Stafford. Uh, to Stafford from uh, the worst quarterback in the league, Jared Goff. And so overall, I would say their their offseason was fine. This is a team that is positioned to be very similar to last year. And uh, as long as they can stay injury free, they should be uh, they should be able to be in the mix. I think, though, that if I was just guessing, this is the team that's going to get last in the NFC West. If you just made me guess. I think something that needs to be seriously considered is they went from one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL in 2020 to Raheem Morris, who is I like Raheem Morris fine. as a coordinator. Not as a not as he a head coach. Fine. But but as a but as a uh But I also think Raheem Morris doesn't run the same scheme and wouldn't run the same scheme. So I don't know how well this roster's gonna work and you're losing Troy Hill. You're losing um you know you're starting box safety which is an easier position to replace, but still something to consider. You're losing a lot of pieces. And Matthew Stafford's a step up, but I don't know if he's a big enough step up to counteract a lot of that. Um, this could very easily... I, I C-plus offseason? Like, yeah. it depends. If their offensive line looks like their 2019 offensive line, then they're a seven-win team. And if their offensive line looks like their 2020 offensive line, then they're like a 10 win team. Mm-hmm. I, so. yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place with the ribs. I need to really think about it. So any more, any more time with it last, but certainly not least, we have the San Francisco 49ers uh, who had the biggest, uh, the highest pick of any of the uh, NFC West teams. I'd and say and the biggest with the third overall pick, the, the San Francisco 49ers went with, Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. And if we look at it, the signs were all there for them taking Trey Lance. Uh, I might have gambled on them picking Trey Lance and won some a significant amount of money. But uh, but 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 uh, the signs were all there. I mean, Kyle Shannon was saying there's different profiles for a successful NFL quarterback now. And he was talking about uh, Josh Allen. And I think that like Trey Lance profiling as Josh Allen is is, is pretty fair. Like he has some accuracy issues, but he's big. He's fast. He makes good decisions, which is uh, something I think that is really underrated. Apparently, he's extremely smart. Uh, that, that's something I've really heard a lot after the draft is that like this guy is w- like one of the smartest guys in this draft and that he killed the Wonderlick and he's, he's just really good interview and stuff like that, which makes perfect sense to me that why Shanahan would want to bring him in then, right? It's like this is a cerebral guy working with another cerebral guy and kind of bringing him up in his system. Um the thing and the thing is is that Shanahan is I think he's sick of turning the ball over and he wanted the quarterback he thought could play under center. Lance does not turn the ball over, at least in his college tape, and he he can play under center. He played more under center than any other quarterback in this draft. So yeah, I like I think that that's it's a good pick for them, especially because they have the luxury of having an I, we make fun of Jimmy Garoppolo a lot, but an NFL caliber starting quarterback to let him sit behind at least at first and yeah, make for sure like that those six healthy games. And make sure that he's like at least completely ready, right? Like Trey Lance does not have to play in the first game. And if 
Jimmy G stays healthy and San Francisco plays well, he doesn't even have to play in the first season, right? Like they could just be like, hey, we it have to be an Alex season. Smith scenario. Yeah, right. Exactly. Alex Smith, Patrick Holmes. And I think that that is like a really, really good situation for them to fall into. Uh, and I, I like the pick I and I hate it because San Francisco is obviously of the arrivals, the team I hate the most. And them getting the quarterback that I'm like most invested in in this draft is basically a nightmare scenario. I basically have to root against my own scouting and which is like not where i want to live so, so so that's my thoughts on trey lance all right eric what do you think of trey lance uh i was i was uh really confused by the quarterbacks this year i did not know who would be the best who's outside of trevor lawrence and trey lance is a i defer to both of you if you guys like this guy if you think that he's going to be a good fit for them i think that's fine i think that there's something cool about josh fields josh fields who went to the bears or Justin Fields. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin Fields. Uh, you guys at the draft. Justin yeah, Fields, Fields totally, totally gamer. Like, isn't he just just like a? It look. Like, Justin Fields looks like he. Also, can, the dude is accurate. Yeah, he's accurate, and he's got the intangibles. He can scramble a lot. I mean, that's that's where we were going the last eight years of the quarterback, and that's that's so, still something Josh Allen has. So, so hold on, real quick. That okay. that pick for the Bears. That pick for the Bears is mm-hmm. it's impressive to me, and it's at a good spot. Trey Lance. I don't know. This guy could be an at me all you want. Is he the next Blake Bortles? Someone who looks good at times, but is still missing something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is a good pick for what they got, but I'm not, I'm not like, Oh crap. They got Trey Lance. So one thing I think that we don't get access to is that I think a lot for a lot of people, uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, they all might have been very, very close together in terms of like uh, scouting. And so what it comes down to is then when we have guys that close together, it's going to come down to the interviews, right? You interview these guys and you kind of try to pick the guy that you feel like is going to be a good fit for you or a good fit for your team or a good fit for your your franchise. And I think that maybe that that's what broke the tie between them for between Lance and Fields, right? Is that like Lance came in and just blew them away in the interview or something. Cause that, everything I read after the fact makes me think that he has the, um, the interview ability to do that. You know, the way that people, the way that people who've talked to him talk about him <laughs> just makes me think that like, okay, this guy probably crushed the interview. So, all right, Kevin, what do you think? I think something that the 49ers would have really liked about Trey Lance is that he had, um, he was given a lot of control over the offense at North Dakota state. Mm-hmm. Um, he was calling audibles. He was help setting the line and calling out pressures. He did a lot of NFL things or things that you want to see quarterbacks do. Mm-hmm. And those are things I think Shanahan would have really liked. Um, my big comparison for him is Josh Allen. I think he's the same type of runner where he's big enough to be physical. He's like 6'4", 225-ish. Bruiser, um, for sure. Yeah, but he's also fast. And so he can, if like if he gets to the open field, he can just bust off a run, and you're going to really pay for it. So you have to respect his run game big time. Um, your point about him playing under center, I think, is a really big one. Uh, my big thing with him is he also kind of reminds me of Josh Allen as a thrower, where he's got arm talent for days. The ball just flies off of his hand, and like he can make effortless deep passes, but he's inaccurate in ways that will show up in the NFL. Like he doesn't throw with anticipation. He waits for receivers to get open and then hits them once they're already open, which you can't do in the NFL. He um, underthrows a lot of deep passes, even though he has excellent arm strength. 
Uh, he has that Cam Newton thing where his ball placement is not where you want to see it. Now, the other thing is, Trey Lance just doesn't have a lot of throws. Like, he has one season worth of throws in a not um, heavy passing attack at North Dakota State in his one season as a starter. And then he had the one COVID like showcase game that we're not going to really talk about because that whole thing was a train wreck. Yeah. I think that that whole game was right. And I think too, is he, he trusted his ability to run too much. Whereas if a guy wasn't like wide, wide open, he'd just be like, okay, I'll run for six yards. Who cares? And, and at, at the level he was playing at, that's fine. But in the NFL, like he's going to get Cam Newton style murdered out of the league if he, if he tries to pull that stuff and so yeah so i think it's the whole thing it, like his floor is uh josh allen if he didn't get accurate yeah. which is what like danny dimes kind of yeah but like his ceiling is cam newton with more accurate passing like that's a ceiling that you take a shot on cam newton with some touch because like he yeah. does throw sometimes with touch, and Cam Newton never throws with touch. He just no. he just chucks it in there, <laughs> and then it's John Elway style. Chucks it in as hard as he can, and you better just catch it. Uh, all right, that's enough Trey Lance, I think. Uh, I think that it's a, it's a really interesting pick for sure. All right, uh, Aaron Banks, guard out of Notre Dame. Uh, I think that they they only need him to play right guard. You know, it's, it's not like a huge thing. San Francisco came into this draft with not a lot of holes, and so they – they went ahead and just filled their two biggest holes right right off the bat, right, with the guard and the quarterback. So uh, I don't know. I just – he's he's just big. Like I, That's my review of Aaron Banks. He's just big. That's it. Eric, did you – what did you think of Aaron Banks? Uh, from what I'm – what I can see, a lot of people think that Aaron Banks is going to be a, a sturdy to plus – offensive lineman in the NFL like someone that you can just plug in a a uh geez who's who's our favorite left guard of Seahawks of all time who we just who we just had to get rid of uh you potty you potty it's like you potty when he was healthy or like maybe maybe not at you potty's peak but the the old man yes he's the old man imagine a healthy old man you potty yeah I just feel like (laughs) yeah Kevin oh Kevin's battle against you potty great battles um, it just it feels like this is just a guy who can slide into the easy guard spot in the NFL, and he's going to do just fine. I I like this pick for the 49ers. Kevin, I think it's a horrible pick that was a massive reach. Oh, um, massive he's reach. really big. That's it. That's my. That's like, what I think. I, think like, I watched right. him, and he never dominates. He never gets to the second level and just kills someone. Uh, like it's like, what are you doing it. with all this size? Um, you know? Good size, hands, and solid pass sets. Athleticism, feet, and balance are not great. Overall, looks like a grinder who can be effective as a fringe starter, but doesn't win very many reps, fights to a lot of ties, and can be overmatched by anyone with either plus power or plus quickness on the interior. He's so, falling into a very good situation, though, where he will be yeah. the worst guy on the offensive line, and it's okay that he's the worst guy on the offensive line because he's going to be between, like, McGlinchey and Mack, and those are good players, and he, they'll put him in positions to be successful. But, I'm, like, Wyatt Davis was still on the board, wasn't he? Ben yeah, Cleveland I, definitely was, and I would have taken Ben Cleveland 10 times out of 10 before I took Aaron Banks. Yeah, they liked the big. Uh, then they went Trey Sermon, and here's what I'll say about Trey Sermon is that they don't need a running back. They don't really have any needs. Like if you look at their roster, it's just like it's not a needs heavy roster. Maybe D D tackle, but I like picking up Maurice Hurst kind of filled that gap for me. Mm-hmm. But um Trey Sermon, what what's the problem with the running backs? They're always getting hurt, right? Trey Sermon is healthy 
and doesn't really hasn't really like struggled with injuries. So yeah, I'm into this pick. Trey Sermon, I'm fine with it. It's it's uh it's unnecessary, but every pick they made was unnecessary after the first two. Like <laughs> they they were just trying to pick like the best player that that was available. And I think Trey Sermon, it, if he's healthy, he could be he could be fine. Like it's it's a fine pick. I'm not I'm not against it. Eric, what do you think of Trey Sermon? Uh, this is yet another running back for San Francisco. It's very good. They're like Cowboys and linebackers. They're like early Cow- uh, Cowboys and wide receivers. Uh, early yeah, <laughs> Cowboys and, and, and linebackers sounds like a new game that kids are allowed to play. Yes, but it's not that popular. It's, graphics are terrible because you know it's bad. Trey Sermon is like you said. He has a he has a chance to be decent. Equal to Cowboys versus aliens. <laughs> <laughs> decent to being just another guy who uh, you see occasionally and then floats around the NFL in three years. He's gone. Okay, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, Trey Sermon, uh, player comp, Thomas Rawls, who's big enough to not get hurt. Yep, yep that's uh, fine. I mean, he's solid. He's a, like he's a really good system fit. Um, he will run into the back of his own, his own offensive line, or he will pick the correct hole, and he can bust off a big run. Like, he's fine. System fit. Yeah, he has he's he has really good balance. That's one thing I noticed when I watched him. It's like yeah, his And balance, solid burst. His balance is excellent. Like he really is good at staying on his feet, keeping his feet moving. That's I think why you went with Thomas Rawls because that was like Thomas Rawls' greatest skill as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ambry Thomas, they went with the corner next, and I like this pick. He's a good system fit, very physical. Uh, he's long. Uh, they don't need him to to be awesome this year. They can spend time develop, but he he actually might be uh, he might be good enough to kind of challenge for a starting spot right away i think this is a good pick i think ambry thomas is a solid pick for them it might be their corners are a dumpster fire so yeah he can definitely challenge for a starting spot yeah so uh kim what do you think of ambry thomas um if they're still continuing to run a robert bob salopic uh style of defense then yeah i think it makes a lot of sense um i think you said it right he's developmental uh makes a lot of sense for cover two cover three systems um he needs to get stronger he like when he would try and uh like he has all the skills to be a press guy but he's just not strong enough to do it um he's a really willing tackler i i felt like he tested better than his movement was on tape and so that's kind of interesting but he's a good pick and that's around where i would have wanted to get him so yeah that's fine sorry ambry ambry thomas thoughts eric uh not really it's uh, it looks like he's going to be a slot corner, someone that they may use. They may move to the outside. Uh, this is this is a coin flip guy. Uh, okay, you want to hear what I wrote down for Jalen Moore, Kevin? You'll like this. Probably will pass Aaron Banks on the depth chart by next year. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I wrote down because he actually has the athletic traits that I feel like kind of are exciting. Um, he he moves well, uh, but he's just not. He played tackle and he's kind of a guard conversion, so he's not going to be a ready to play guard right away. But I think like if if this everything works out for Jalen Moore, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be better than than Aaron Banks just from an athletic standpoint. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's really accurate. Um, like again, to put a player on there for some analysis, we've been talking about. He's like if um, he's like if Stone Forsyth's pass blocking technique was as good as his run blocking technique. Yes, I did say that the way I meant it. Um, this guy has no technique. He's got a really quick first step, and his hand placement sucks. His footwork needs tons of coaching. He gets way too narrow and loses his balance. His feet get stuck when he's run blocking, and it zaps all of his power. 
but he's really big. He moves really well. He's a good fit for his own blocking scheme. Um, yeah, if he gets coached up well and if it clicks, he's the kind of guy who can come in and maybe play right tackle, but definitely would be like an athletic guard. Yeah, I think that their plan is like, hey, Banks is the safe pick, and then we've got this this more risk, risky pick in uh, in Jalen Moore. All right, uh, Dumador Lenore, a cornerback out of Oregon. We'll just say he's the best player ever to make uh, Dustin happy, but um, he's not good. Okay. <laughs> How about that he, name, though? Dumador yeah. Lenore. It's so hard to say and so satisfaction, so much satisfaction I think saying this it. This guy, this guy's a slot corner all the way. That's that's yes. what they want him to be. Uh, and he could do it. I mean, he stops the run really well, which is something you want your slot corner to be, so he can stay on the field more. Um, they went USC safety Talanoa Hufanga, and yep. um, this is another like close to the line of scrimmage uh, box safety slash nickel corner. Um, Except he, his body's not good for it because he always gets hurt. Yeah, he's uh, and uh, his his uh, his speed numbers were not great then they went elijah mitchell with their last pick which i really like actually mm-hmm. and um i wrote this is what i wrote you guys ready elijah mitchell by next season could pass trey sermon on the depth chart <laughs> you like wow. that because i do think that's true though like he he um he timed really well and then doesn't play as fast so he needs to like work on those zone running processing skills but by next year this guy is has is the kind of athlete that could really blow up in this 49ers offense so uh oh Anything, any comments on Mitchell, Hufanga, Lenore, Kevin? I know I buzzed through those guys because we're over time. Dude, I was super high on uh, Mitchell. Um, I really wanted him for us. Uh, good size, really productive in college, had over 3,000 yards uh, rushing and about 600 yards receiving in a not very pass-happy offense. Um, he's a solid pass catcher. He's a willing yeah, blocker him. but needs technique work. They had him line up in the slot like yep. in the, on his tape. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Uh, rarely goes down for your first contact, good balance through contact, good leg drive. He has some stiff arm skills, uh, really good acceleration, but no second gear. So total Seahawks back. And he's really well suited for his own systems. I agree with your take on that. I think he's a really interesting guy. I think they can bury it with all the talent they have to, they can bury him on the depth chart. And then when Mostert retires, uh, after this season, then they can, cause his knee blows up again, they can, <laughs> they can go ahead and be like, okay, now we're ready to, to start the, uh, Elijah Mitchell era. Uh, he's ready now. So, all right. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head to only12s.com. Click anywhere on your screen. It'll take you to our Patreon. For as little as a dollar 24 a month, get access to the to the Discord and uh, many other things that we put up there, including our in-season gambling and fantasy football thoughts. Uh, thank you to our current Patreons, Andy, Brett, Cooper, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Flocktimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Sam, Thomas, Warwolf, uh, Brandon, and... One more. There's one more. There's one more. Brandon and Nick. All right. Thanks you guys for supporting the show, and uh, we'll see you in the Discord. All right. Our movie this week, Army of the Dead. We did. Uh, we did the of the Dead last week, and we're gonna follow it up by doing the new of the Dead this week. And in the honor of Zack Snyder, we're doing a three-hour podcast. Yep. With and, only one hour of content. And oh, we're gonna and we're gonna make it grim too. Kevin and Eric will be dead by the end of the podcast. So okay. <laughs> um. What? Let's start with you, Eric. What did you think of Army of the Dead? Uh. Easily one of the uh, most five hours of my life I've spent on a Saturday. No, this movie is two and a half hours. It definitely feels like it needed an hour taken out of it. Uh, but was this movie fun? Absolutely. Uh, you go in with this, with the name of this film and seeing it's directed by Zack Snyder, which when that happened, I was like, wait, Zack Snyder is in like Justice League Zack Snyder. Is it the same Zack Snyder? 
It must be. And uh, yeah, it's I had no expectations for this movie other than that it was going to be too damn long. And uh, Nathan right. doesn't know who you're talking about. He only knows Dawn of the Dead 2008 Zack Snyder. So, this is yeah. true. Uh, but Nathan Hellboy. always sees the good in people. So, so Zack, Zack Snyder, here's the thing is that when I was watching this movie, I fluctuated between this is fun and is this over yet? Those are the two emotions yeah. that, that I had during this movie. And I'm going to use uh, one scene as an example that I think encompasses all of those feelings at once. Okay. There's a, uh, a bad guy character in this movie. King uh, Zombie, say it. No, it's not King Zombie. I'm talking about Theo uh, Rossi. Theo, no, not. I'm not talking about Theo Rossi what? either. Wow, there's. there's Are a lot you talking of about the uh, the stand-in for racism guy? I'm talking about <laughs> Garrett Garrett Dillahunt playing Martin. Um, the guy. Oh, I, I was gonna the say the dad guy. I was gonna say the dad from Raising Hope. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is, uh, which is how, I, how I know him. Uh, he's he's in Fear the Walking Dead though, Mindy Project. He's in a bunch of stuff, uh, TV stuff. Anyway, Garrett Dillahunt though. There's a he's playing like a scumbag in this movie, and uh, he scums the team. And then he he oh by the way, there's spoilers. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, if you uh, haven't seen this, go watch it. It's on Netflix. It only takes uh, you a day and a half. Garrett, Garrett Dillahunt though, he, there's a scene where he like scums the team, and then he goes outside, and then he gets murdered by a zombie leopard. And I think at, at that point, I'm supposed to be like, yeah, sweet, he's finally getting his comeuppance. You know, like it's awesome. And at first, I was like that. But then after minute like four of this guy like getting mauled by a zombie tiger, I was like, all right, I'm good. This is enough. I'm, I'm uncomfortable now by how many times I've seen this guy get thrown by this tiger or his face bit off by this. It's like too much. Yeah, it's kind and of so, a meme. Yeah, wrap it up. It became stupid. Like, and I think like that kind of encompassed the whole movie where I was like, I was like, yeah. And then by the end of it, I was like, okay, can we go to the next thing? <laughs> Like, like I'm, I'm done with this now this is too much well even the um, end like you think they're in this chopper and you're like oh something's gonna happen and then it does but then they land and then there's this long speech and you're like i i know what's gonna happen i and then it's still not over and that's just, that sums up the movie. Going. just keeps going and going and going and one thing too, there's a, there at the beginning of the movie, there's this really long montage of like a whole nother movie that we didn't get to watch that I think might yep. have been better than the movie that we did get to watch. It was definitely that, the movie I thought I was going to get to watch. And like with that, that first movie that the, the montage movie was better than the movie we watched, right? Like, oh, yeah. would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And it also had like way more slow motion than it needed, which is like right up his alley. Yeah. More Zack Snyder than well, you can't stuff. take the slow mo out of Zack Snyder, Kevin. Actually, right, Kevin, if you took your... the slow-mo out, it might have been under two hours. What was your overall thoughts on Army of the Dead, Kevin? Uh, overall thoughts. There was an hour and 45 minutes of good movie in this two and a half hour movie. That's thought number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought number two. Um, the parts where they put Tig in, uh, it was really super clear that they were not in the movie. And now, it made if for you, some it... really weird stuff. Once you knew that, too, it's like, man, so they're just doing like a close shot of Tignataro with blurry background. Oh, OK. Well, they, they obviously added this in. If you didn't know, you might have got tricked. But like, I feel like if I didn't know, it would have just seemed even more out of place. Yeah. OK, guys, I have no idea what you're talking about. Say there and I was looking forward to Tignataro and I felt she was out of place. This is awesome. Tell me. So Tignataro, the helicopter pilot, was yeah. basically CGI'd into the movie. Yeah, because it was originally it was Chris Elia, but that guy's like a sex pest and yes. a pedophile, and so like they were like, "Well, he can't oh, be in the movie." No, so, I had no idea. So they replaced it, him completely with Tig Notaro, who was awesome, by the way. Like maybe yeah, she was great. Yeah, there. it was like just Tig. really She's... disjointed. Oh my gosh! So there's there's Christy Elia on the cutting room floor somewhere, 
and Unreal- unreleased release the Delia cut. No, don't do that, please. <laughs> no, and now, we're good. hey man, uh, that, that guy is one of my favorite workaholics characters in one episode. I'll say that now. Now I want to rewatch just the Tignataro scenes to see what you're talking about. This so now does it make sense? Because I felt like there was this whole thing where Tignataro felt like a SNL skit where they took, or like a college humor <laughs> skit where they took a movie that already exists but then put someone in there. Like, uh, what's the one where they have um, Bill Burr? Uh, like CGI'd into a a, a Malibu commercial, yeah, and he's yeah. just like making comments the whole time. That's kind of what it felt like for Tig. Like I, I felt like they just put her in there, and she was doing her own thing that was not what's happening in the movie until you get to the part where it's the climax of the movie. An hour and a half in, an hour in, I was I was thinking, how come like she's separate? Like what's going on here? <laughs> it was weird. And then I I, sh- that... I shrugged it off at the end because she was with everyone. So kind of. so. Zack Snyder has worked with Dodie Dorn twice as his editor, and I would say in both of those cases, Zack Snyder's recut of the Justice League and Army of the Dead. What exactly did she edit? Uh, She just gave him a lot of thumbs ups. This is the this is the person that edited Memento, which I think is one of the best edited movies like yep out there right this is like one of the best edited movies of all time there's no editing in this movie they're not editing anything it's like this movie everything is on in in there they put they let didn't cut a single thing they don't does Zack Snyder not like people give him notes anymore like does no one give him notes like they people sometimes those notes are good you know like you you need to take a few notes and uh he needs to read over some script from uh George Lucas about what happens when you stop taking notes from people and I'll be honest, Dave Batista is a good actor, and he needs to stop taking roles like this one, My Spy, and Stuber. Like he needs to just be like, <laughs> like he said, like Keep working I want with Denis Villeneuve. He's like, I I want more serious roles. And he said that before. And it's like, you're not going to get them if you keep taking roles like this. Like, I know it's a lot of money and I know it's on Netflix, which is probably something that played into his decision making. Like, I can be a star in a Netflix film and kind of create that relationship with Netflix because that is a money factory. Cool. But like, man, that. Okay. This movie was not there's all, everything melodramatic in this movie sucked it was like that every time some melodramatic stuff's happening it's just dragging the movie down you mean um, like cool. when uh um <laughs> you mean like uh when somebody gets their neck broken right after a really dramatic scene and you know damn well that's what's gonna happen yeah good oh, thing man. that doesn't happen twice <laughs> brutally brutally broken too just like straight up like Anna de la Riguera just got her like that's one other thing about this movie okay is that every time I talk about the characters other than Guzman I don't know the name of the actual character I know the name of the actor I'm like oh yeah that that was Omari Hardwick Omari Hardwick was cool when he came at, at the ending of the movie with Omari Hardwick was cool that's why I told my wife at the end of the movie and she was like she's like yeah that was cool and I was like what was that character's name I'm like, I have no idea I have no idea what the names of any of the characters in this movie are because they didn't somehow despite all the melodramatic garbage they didn't give me a reason to care about any of these people yep. like I, I was just like I don't care and, I feel like and, all the reasons to care were in the opening montage that they just fast forwarded through that was the that, character building right there that's Zack Snyder, Zach Snyder, Snyder is, characterization perfect he's so grim too so it's like you know all these people are gonna die like his worldview is is like super 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 grim so it's um yeah it's it was like a it's like the equivalent of denny's you know like that's the movie equivalent of going to denny's it's like yeah the food isn't gonna kill you and it's 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 good to eat like i'll eat it i'll eat denny's at one in the morning when i'm after a few imbibed a few adult beverages but like i don't want to go to denny's and i don't want to watch army of the dead again (laughs) 
like it's, it's the same thing, man. Like I, I don't know. It's it's not a bad movie. Don't get me wrong. Like I thought it was solid, and it, but the heist elements were meh, and the zombie elements were were better. I actually thought. Um, if the I thought heist the zombie was... action elements were good, and the heist elements were good when they weren't being strung out, and then fast forwarded. Well, the thing is, it's okay. They do this like they do this thing where like okay, so the way a heist, you know, a heist has a reveal in it. They did the reveal before the heist. Yep. And mm-hmm. as like, I think it was like kind of like a cheeky, like wink, wink, Zack Snyder, like, hey, it's a heist movie, got to have a reveal. But like, it just kind of like, I don't know. I it's like typical Zack Snyder out. doesn't understand why that's an important thing. Yeah. Zack yes. Snyder doesn't understand why we like heist movies. Zack Snyder doesn't understand why, the same way he doesn't understand why we like Jimmy Olsen. You know, like he just doesn't get it. He's inverted he's, Soderbergh. He's so grim. And, Okay, what's up with his thing with with zombie pregnancies, dude? Like every zo- he's two for two now in making weird zombie pregnancy things in movies. Like, and that I, was super shoehorned in there too. Like they could have done the whole queen queen thing without the zombie fetus. Yes, that and it, yeah, two for two of zombie plot, zombie fetus plots in movies that I do not want to. I do not want that. That to just be a did thing. nothing for the movie. Right, like it did not add to Dawn of the Dead to to watch Mackay Pfeiffer deliver. Uh, was that Mackay? Yeah, it was Mackay yeah, Pfeiffer, right? Deliver, Pfeiffer. A, deli- deliver a zombie baby, and it doesn't do anything for me to watch a, a zombie uh, miscarriage either. <laughs> so, so uh, I don't know what I don't know what things. I believe that it's Zach- called a miscarriage of the dead. <laughs> I don't know what zombie. Oh, I don't know what Zack Snyder needs to go over with his. Uh, oh, with that should his, be my uh, title for my therapist. review of this movie: Miscarriage but, of the Dead. Um, but I'll say this: like the action's good when it's good, and it's fun when it's fun. It's just, it's too long. Like he, if he cuts 30, if he, if there's some kind of like director's cut that does the opposite of a normal Zack Snyder director's cut where he like edits and tightens up the movie. I think I might actually give that movie like a three and a half, but because of the way this movie is, I gave it a two and a half out of five. Uh, it's like a solid C for me. It's good. Not bad. I, I would say if you are, feel interested in it and you, you want to watch it, go ahead and watch it. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Oh, it was fun. It was everything I said more about it. Uh, we, we already discussed. It was a fine movie. Uh, watch it if you have almost three Here, hours on. What do you think? What do you think about the news reports where the guy was like, the president said <laughs> that it would be totally sweet and like the world's best fireworks show. I thought Frank Miller may have written that because I know Zack Snyder has this relationship with Frank Miller. Uh, Frank Miller, you may remember as the amazing writer of RoboCop two and writer director of RoboCop three. So you know where we're going here. Uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's more bizarre stuff from Zack Snyder. What? Do, now you said you loved the end of the movie. Uh, how how did that guy walk out of the nuclear explosion? I mean, he's he's in like that super safe, right? So he walks out. Okay, I, that's then, that's believable. Then he and then Fallout and... doesn't exist. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Now I get it. That's all. I and know. there's maybe... no such thing as radiation. It was a tactical nuke, not a real nuke. It was a. Ta- <laughs> You're putting ninety percent of the thought into ten percent of the problem, Eric. <laughs> uh, probably. Um, I'm I'm actually more excited for this Army of Thieves thing now, though, because like um, the guy who plays Dieter is directing it and uh, and it has Nathalie Emanuel in it, who I really enjoy. Wait, what's Army of Thieves? So it's like a it's an upcoming romantic comedy heist Uh film with zombies. And it's a prequel to this movie. Okay, I'm in. Who's directing it? The guy who plays Dieter is oh, I'm sorry, you directing that. and, right. and, okay. and starring in it. So it's going to be better. <laughs> All um, right. So it'll probably be like fine. They, but they, a lot of people are comparing. The comparison they make is that this is the Italian job with zombies. That's what they're calling it. <laughs> which, which I think if they pull it off, it's good. Army of the Dead. Like I said, I just think the heist elements were not fully baked. It was like 
three quarters baked. I only really that's my to... that's my review. Two out of five heist movie, three out of five zombie movie, two and a half out of five movie. I just yeah. like that scene where they were going into the safe, like trying to figure out how to get in there. That was the that was the only heist vibe I got from the whole thing. Oh, where that where they had the zombie walking forward and it kept getting like, <laughs> yeah, like in new when they got ways. there, it was fine. It was yeah. It, yeah, I yeah they, don't know. but like, but they drug out that scene too by yep. having the guy bring two zombies down, like that completely unnecessarily dragging that scene out even more. Clat, uh, which is the, the story of this movie, right? Yeah, it's just the story of this movie. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think, like I said, if you if you if you do that, do this movie, settle in, snacks, drinks, you know, make sure you're ready to to be there for for a while because uh, this doesn't uh, this movie is not gonna let you go for a while. If you're multitasking in the other screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess yeah, you feel, can, don't yeah. feel guilty about doing that. Like if you're if you're trying to watch something when you get work done, you'll know when you need to pay attention. I've watched two Netflix Good movies call. this month, new ones, uh, and this one was by far the worst. Uh, <laughs> I would versus machines. I would watch Mitchell's versus machines like six times before I'd watch this twice. I've yep. heard nothing but good things about that movie. That movie's also a little bit too long, but it's good still. Uh, it's I think it was very enjoyable. All right, it's for Kevin, this long, and as Eric Andre for Kevin for Eric, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.